David Bond Reflections for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. I'm preaching today at Fishers of Men Lutheran Church in Port Isabel. take it and have it be my own. This is the complete 
totality of God's grace. God's grace abounds. Luther so beautifully expressed that when he talks about it in his explanation to the third article of the Creed. Let's read this together. It's going to be on the screen. Okay? Let's read this together. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Let's keep going. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. God's grace abounds. Bringing us to faith, something we could not do for ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this, and let's think about how God's grace abounds and how it is so true in the sending. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks here, the idea of being sent. And, and, and so God is the first missionary. He is the one who sent his son. And we just read this from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Martin Luther was once asked about this passage. Luther, Martin, would you like it if this Bible passage said, For God so loved Martin Luther that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, Martin Luther believes in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you got to know, this man, Luther, this guy lived 500 years ago, was a very smart man, incredibly intelligent, very dedicated, very faithful to the word. And he said, no, I don't want it to say that. And, and the response, well, why don't you want it to say that? I mean, wouldn't you want it to be able to say that your name? If your name was there, for God so loved Linda, for God so loved Diane, for God so loved Pan, for God so loved, whatever your name is, if you fill it in, wouldn't that feel good? Luther had this great insight. He said, well, if it said, for God so loved Martin Luther, I might be afraid that there is another Martin Luther in the world that God is talking about. But it says God so loved the world. You know what that means? It means he loves you. He loves your niece. He loves our ex-brother-in-law. I mean, there's nobody outside the bounds of God's love. And his grace is so powerful that he couldn't just have a warm feeling toward us. He couldn't just say, I just love you. And I want to things for you. He acted. He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. There's no one for whom Jesus did not die. There's no one that God does not love. God sent his son, his grace of God. But that's not all. God not only sent his son, but also his son sent the Holy Spirit. 
this is where this idea comes to play for me in the idea that God has this gift he wants to give us eternal life, salvation and he says here this is a wonderful gift and our natural response in the flesh is I don't need that I mean how many people do you know that are just living completely oblivious to their need for a savior how many people do you know that have no concept of the fact that there will one day be a judgment and that they will stand before the creator of the universe and give an account? How many people do you know that just basically are on their own living as though there is no God and it doesn't really matter? As though whoever dies with the most toys or whoever is just able to enjoy the fun life or whatever it is that they want to do apart from God, that that's just fine. Thousands, thousands, and millions and millions of people live that way. And apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I would be numbered with them. And in fact, the truth is, we're daily tempted to go down that path, aren't we? We're daily tempted to say, hey, hey, well, you know, let's just set God aside. Let's not deal with him for a while. Let's just do what we want to do. Let's enjoy the fun that we want to enjoy. Let's just have a life that we want to have and not really take any real responsibility or any real awareness of our relationship with God. But God sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, he breathed on his disciples. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says something very important. No one speaking by the Spirit of God ever said Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. God sent Jesus. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. God's grace abounds. The Holy Spirit sends us with power to share the gospel message. The Holy Spirit sends us. Let's look at that next slide. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to just really think about this. Twofold. First of all, Jesus promised the apostles very early on, these are the twelve, the eleven at this point in time, and they're with him, and they still don't quite have it right. If you know this particular part of the Bible, in Acts chapter 1, they come to Jesus, and they say, this is after the resurrection, it's right before his ascension, and they say, okay, Lord, is now, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time when you're going to set up your kingdom on earth? Is this the time when you're going to just really declare how glorious and powerful you are? And he says, it's not up to you to know these things. And then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's promising them that there is yet more to come, but it's not what they think it is. That it's not something that they can, can visualize, and there's not going to be a, a big palace or a big temple or, or any throne room like that, and they're going to be able to one sit on his right, one sit on his left, and then the whole world is going to come and acknowledge that you know Israel and, and Jesus is king, and that's not, what, that's not what he has in mind for them. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. And the rest of the whole book of Acts is testimony to how this happens. 
because they are witnesses to him in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is something that God had in mind 2,000 years ago that you and I today are proof of how true it was. Because folks, you know, in our world, like, this is, this is not the uttermost parts of the earth, right? The uttermost parts of the earth are Africa or China or, or, or way, way South America. I mean, the other most parts of the other most parts of the earth are Australia. You know, the, like the, the places that are far, far away, far difficult to get to, right? Well, the truth is, this here, the innermost parts of the earth, from where Jesus spoke those words. The gospel has gone out from Jerusalem, from Israel. And we're here today because of witnesses to the gospel that started way back there. Now, if that was the whole story, if that's all there is, then every time someone was brought to faith, wouldn't it be great if we just immediately went to heaven? Because then we'd never sin again, you know, it would just be an immediate ticket, we'd just come to faith and boom, we're in heaven, right? Well, God hasn't done that. Because you see, there's more sending yet to be done, and the church must reclaim this sending. It's something the church needs to do. We need to recognize that we are being sent. Let's look at that next slide. We believe, teach, and confess. This is one of the mission theses out of this book that we're looking at in our Bible class. We believe, teach, and confess that the Lord continues to call in his church from, should be, from, I wrote that wrong, from the nations, uh, all around the world to work mutually in sending and receiving labors for the harvest until that day when our Lord's mission is complete. In other words, the ongoing mission of the church continues until the great last day. We need to reclaim that. Something that God intends for us to be a part of. And there's two ways to think about it, quite frankly. And they're both actually correct. One is it's a big responsibility. We need to take it seriously. It's something we actually need to do. We need to engage ourselves and it may require some sacrifice, may require some recalibration of the way we think about things, the way we even think about church. That's one way to think about it. And it's not totally wrong. But there's another way we need to think about it. And that is that it's a privilege to be a part of something incredible that God is doing. Because God takes ordinary people in their ordinary walks of life to interact with other ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Helping a person rechart their eternal destiny, pointing them to the Savior of the world, bringing them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, bringing the love of Jesus to a person who is desperate because they're so racked with guilt and shame over sin that they've committed. And folks, just, just take this to heart. That may not always be a rank unbeliever. It might be somebody in the pew right next to you. It might be somebody in your family who does know Jesus, but just needs to be reminded that he really does love him. He really does love her. 
that he forgives sins. We need to reclaim the sinning. And part of that has to do with the fact that when you leave this place, you are being sent into the world. And in fact, in some churches, there's a sign over the door. In fact, uh, we were just at Zion in Alamo. And they have, a, they have a sign over the door as they exit the, ch the, uh, uh, the church. And it says, Servant's Entrance. Because we're going into the world sent by God to share his love. You know, Luther ends his, uh, his explanation of the creed with the words, this is most certainly true. They're probably the best known words in the whole catechism, right? This is most certainly true. We know this again and again. We hear those words. The other one is, we should fear love God, right? Those are the other words that are known so often, right? But this is most certainly true. That the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and, and the word of the catechism is sanctifies, but, but let me just help you to understand that word. He sets us apart. And, and what that means is that we should be aware that, yes, we are different. But it's not that we're different in terms of doing certain liturgical things or, or certain kind of religious things, but it's different in that we have been called into a relationship with Jesus that is marked by grace and truth and love and mercy. That there's something different about us, but it's not necessarily the fact that we wake up on Sunday morning and come to worship. It's a good thing. I'm glad we do it. I love worship. I'm glad you're here. It's also the fact that we take with us in our everyday lives the love of Jesus and in some way or another seek to share it with others. The Holy Spirit also, according to Luther and his catechism, and this is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Daily, richly forgives our sins. It's a good word. It's an important thing for us to know. Most of us, when we think about that, it really means that for most of us, I think we would apply it this way, that God forgives our sins of omission. I mean, how many times have we not done the things we should do? I know there's sins we've committed, but as, as dedicated followers of Jesus, it's like we we kind of kind of know better than to, you know, go down certain paths and do certain things. God forgives all sins, sins of commission, sins of omission. And that's a good gift that God does through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points us also to an eternal joy in Jesus. He will on the last day raise up us and all believers in Jesus and give to all who believe eternal life. And the Holy Spirit also sends us on the adventures of grace. It's an adventure to know that somehow, some way, you might be God's tool, God's instrument to bring the message of love to others. So where is God sending you? I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. But I do know this. Jesus has promised it. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit is with us. Another comforter, Jesus says, I will send you, who will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. God is with us wherever we go. And my prayer for you is that somehow today you begin to say, where is God sending me? And how can I be on an adventure of his grace? In Jesus' name.